Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can sharpen your English to a very fine point. Um, this is Tim Sexton. Actually, you already know who I am. I'm going to skip to the uh, material. So, um, actually, I wanted to say that first I um, was thinking this past week about um, my previous episode, and in particular, the root N-O-C or N-O-X or N-I-C, you know, it's various that I talked about last week, and that root from Latin means to harm or hurt something. And this week I actually thought of one word, one more word that has that root, and I encountered another word, I just heard it while listening to the radio just today. And the first word is pernicious. Um, Pernicious means extremely harmful over a long period of time. So, example sentence. One of the most pernicious beliefs that a person can have is that only the best is good enough. Next word, second word, is inoculate. If you inoculate someone, you give someone a vaccine. Inoculate basically means vaccinate. And the noun of that, inoculation, is the vaccine itself. So, you have the prefix in, which is kind of an opposite, you know, it, re- it um, reverses an action, and then you have knock, which means to hurt or harm. So you reverse the harm or you stop the harm from happening, which is what a vaccine does. You can inoculate someone against um, COVID, inoculate someone against the flu. Hopefully, sometime in the next few years, we will be able to inoculate people against HIV. Um, They're working on inoculations against malaria, and they're having increased success. Actually, I did did a little bit of digging or searching and found that um, this root in Latin originally meant actually death. So that's the ultimate arm, right? So um, inoculate, pernicious, what were some of the other words from last week? obnoxious, noisome, noise, annoy. All of those um, negative words have to do originally, well, with death. So um, what I wanted to talk about this week, though, was I wanted to give you some synonyms of the verb become. Um, Actually, we've got six synonyms, and I'm going to include the verb become itself in this, uh, this episode. And Before we get into those um, different verbs, um, I want to talk about three different aspects of these verbs that um, we will talk about. One of them is just the meaning of the verb. So all of the verbs today mean become, and however, there are some differences in meaning between these um, seven verbs, and they are mainly, the differences are mainly connected with the speed with which the change in condition takes place. So... With become, you can use become with a noun, like become a doctor, um, or you can use it with a uh, an adjective, for example, to become rich or become poor. Um, the synonyms that I'm going to give today are only, syn- um, only synonyms that use um, adjectives that combine with adjectives. I'm not going to deal with nouns. Um, so that's one aspect out of three. The next one is register. Register is a term from linguistics which refers to the purpose, the social group, or the situation that language is used in. So 
let's focus on that, on part of that. Um, let's focus on situation. So a situation that in which you use language could be informal or formal. It could also be spoken or written. For example, tell someone sounds informal and con uh, conversational. Inform someone sounds formal and it sounds like it came from a book. Get sick is informal and spoken. Become ill means absolutely the same thing, is formal and written. It's rarely used in conversation, and it sounds like it came from a book. A subgroup of written register is poetic or literary register. Third and last aspect is collocation. Collocation, if you look at that word, it comes from, well, two parts. Co, which means with, co locate. So when you have a collocation, that's a combination of two words that are typically used together. So when we hear words that are used together often, the combination that we hear starts to sound correct. For example, we've all heard fast food many, many times. We've heard that collocation fast food. And because we've heard it so many times, it sounds typical. And because it sounds typical, it sounds normal. By contrast, nobody says quick food, and even though it's understandable, it doesn't sound typical and doesn't sound normal. If you use typical collocations, you will sound natural and you will be easy to understand. Use collocations that only you use and you will sound less natural and will, people will need to work a bit to understand you. So let's start with our verbs now. We've got seven of them again. First one is become itself, so become. First verb is become. It sounds a bit formal and it collocates with words that have formal register, typically. So how do you know that a word has formal register? Well, you might know just from experience. Um, also, um, typically, more formal words typically have a lot of syllables. What's a syllable? Well, in the word syllable, you have syllable. There's three syllables. In my name, Tim. Tim, that's one syllable. Um, English, two syllables. So words that have formal register typically, but not always, have several syllables, and um, it will look like it is from Latin or Greek, but again, not necessarily. Um, well, if you're listening to this podcast, probably you're from a European country, and you kind of have a pretty good feeling of which words are from Latin or Greek. Four examples of become. One, employees become productive as they gain experience. Two, the electric grid has become more efficient in recent years. Three, researchers are becoming aware of the interaction between our stomachs and our brains. Fourth and last, thousands of people per week become ill with the flu during the winter. So, as you can see from those examples, the four examples, um, the changes that we talk about when we use become are processes and they're not instant events. So that is all for become. Let's move on to our second verb, get. Get is the most common verb here, actually, and that's why I put it first. Get is conversational, and it collocates with most adjectives, with the exception of one category, which we will get to a little bit later. Just like become, get describes a process and not something that happens in a single moment, with one exception. Um, so... We can use get um, in basically two situations. One is very general. Um, we can use it uh, get with an adjective that modifies or talks about people, 
that talks about things, that talks about the environment, situations, all kinds of things, almost anything really. So, nine examples. One, first I got sick, then my wife and the kids got sick too. Two, gas has gotten cheaper in the past few days. I think I should fill my car soon. Three, it's getting hot. Can you open the window? Four, we all want to get rich and stop working. Five, I've been running a lot and my legs are getting a lot stronger. Six, it's gotten really sunny. I'm going back to the car to get my sunglasses. Seven, this is something you would say to a sick person. Get well soon. Eight, it's going to rain soon. Bring the books back inside so they don't get wet. Ninth and last, it's getting really cold in here. Can you bring me my sweater? So the second category that you can use um, get with is emotions. Use them with people's emotions. And usually these emotions are negative. So with basically every other adjective, you can just use get without worrying about it being a correct sounding collocation or not. Um, With emotions, it's generally going to be negative emotions. Four examples. One, I'm getting confused. Can you please slow down? Two, she gets really annoyed when you ask her too many questions. Three, everyone's getting depressed because it's been cold and rainy for weeks. Fourth and last, if you get angry every time someone asks you a question, then you will be a terrible teacher. That's all for get. Next one, turn. Let's turn to our, uh, let's move on to our third verb, turn. Turn is conversational, and it collocates only with words for colors. The speed of the change depends on what is changing color. It is, this uh, verb turn in this meaning is reasonably high frequency in conversation, but it's not quite as high as get. So, lights and colors. Three examples. One, when the traffic light turns green, you have to start driving. So, here the change that we've talked about is actually instant. The light turns green. Two, The sky turned gray and then black, and it started to rain. Here, the change is still rapid, but it's not instant. Third and last, bananas start green. Then they turn yellow, and after that, they turn brown. Sorry, I forgot something about get. One small thing. Um, Get can describe an instant change in one situation. That is with get pregnant. Sorry for the interruption. Moving back to turn, the second um, situation. So, sometimes the color of people's skin or their hair or their fingernails changes color somewhat. So, six examples. One, her hair turned gray from stress. Again, not, again this is not a super fast um, transformation. Two, his hair turned blonde over the summer because of the sunshine. Again, over the summer... You know, took several months for this to happen. Three, he turned white when he heard the news. Well, this is definitely faster, but it also isn't something that happened as quickly as the the traffic light turning green or turning red. Four, when you smoke, your hair and nails turn yellow. Happens pretty slowly, even if you're smoking a lot, I would think. Not an expert. Five, she got sick and turned a bit green. Sixth and last, they spent too much time in the sun and turned red. 
So that's all for turn. Let's go to our fourth verb, go. So yes, actually the verb go, very common verb go, um, can be used in some situations with the meaning become. The register here is conversational, and it has a bit of a dramatic tone. So go with the meaning of become does not freely collocate. You can use it only with certain adjectives. And the speed of the change depends on which of the three sub-meanings it has, and we'll talk about these three sub-meanings. So, first, go can collocate with black, blank, and silent. So, black and blank are both, in some sense, the absence of color or absence of writing or information, and silence is the absence of sound. So, black, blank, and silent. Absence of color, absence of sound. The change here is instant, and it is also unsettling for the people who see it. It happens so quickly that it finishes before you even had a chance to notice that the change was starting. Four examples. One, while we were in the cinema watching a movie this afternoon, all of a sudden, the screen went blank. Super fast action. Boom, the screen just disappeared. There was nothing on it anymore. Went blank or went black. Could say either one. Two, I was making a speech in front of a group of people, and my mind just went blank. Mind went blank, it means the person just had no thoughts in their head anymore. Three, we heard screaming, and then a gunshot, and then everything just went silent. So again, this was after the gunshot, complete silence. Very rapid change. Fourth and last, I think the people at work hate me. Whenever I walk in the room, everyone goes silent. So, second situation. Go is also used in connection with people's mental states, specifically to say that a person has become crazy. Again, the selection of collocations is pretty narrow. The change is also pretty rapid. Two examples. One, she went crazy and had to be put in a mental hospital. Second and last, I'm going to go insane if people don't stop knocking on our door in the middle of the night. Now, there are more slangy ways of saying go go crazy. You can also go nuts, go bonkers, go bananas, or go cuckoo. These sound a little bit humorous and not very serious. Now, there's another expression with go that is also related to a mental state, The expression is to go rogue. A rogue is a person who has decided to work outside the framework of society's rules and do absolutely anything to achieve their goals. So an example of a rogue is the Indian politician Subhas Chandra Bose. I was just watching this lecture series about India this week, and um, they started talking about this fellow Bose who was... um, active in Indian politics in the 1920s and 30s. Um, He tried to get support for poor people and, you know, get the British to leave India. And he got in hot water with the British um, uh, leadership there 11 times, was put in jail several times, um, got beaten up there, put in solitary and this kind of stuff. Um, And they put him in jail in house arrest, actually, in Calcutta, um, which is in the east of India. And he escaped in 1941, and he traveled in disguise across India, uh, you know, about 1,600 kilometers from the far east of the country to the far west. 
and got into Afghanistan, went to Kabul. From Kabul, he went to Moscow. From Moscow, he went to Rome. And in Rome, he had a meeting with um, with uh, Benito Mussolini. Um, and then he went from um, Italy to uh, Berlin, and he had a meeting with Adolf Hitler. And he set up an army um, with Indians um, in uh, Europe and tried to fight against the Western allies. Um, didn't work out too well. Um, and not long after that, he got in a German submarine, and he traveled um, through the Atlantic Ocean south and went around the southern tip of Africa, and he got out and he met a Japanese submarine that was waiting for him. And then from there, he went um, farther east to, if I recall correctly, Burma. And in Burma, there was a pretty sizable army, about 40,000 men. Well, they weren't an army yet. Um, they were Indian prisoners of war who'd been fighting for the British and were captured. Some of them had been abandoned by their British officers. And so they weren't too happy with the British. And so they decided they would fight on the side of the Japanese. And they did that. They invaded India. And it didn't work very well. They actually got their butts kicked. And this Boza character, this rogue, um, he um, flew to Taiwan and he was killed in an, in an accident um, in a plane crash in Taiwan. Um, so yeah, he was a rogue. Um, so yeah, this Subhas Chandra Boza, he definitely went rogue. He went outside the rules and yeah, he did his thing. Anyway, so the last meaning of go is used in connection with food. Here, the range of collocations is just two words, bad and sour. So go bad, go sour. In this case, we refer to a process rather than an instant change. Food does, food does not become unfresh in just you know a split second. Two examples. One, when we came back from vacation, all of the food in the fridge had gone bad. It had gone bad, it had become unfresh, it had become rotten. Second and last, the milk went sour, so we have to throw it away. Next, grow. Um, that's all for go. Let's talk about our fifth verb, grow. Grow is more formal. It's a bit literary. Grow collocates freely with all kinds of adjectives, with the exception of words for emotions. It's always about a relatively gradual change. An important detail is that the final result is quite deep. A person who has grown angry doesn't sound like they're just a bit angry. If the weather has grown hot, then the final temperature is going to be pretty high indeed. So we've got two situations. We've got general, and so this is pretty similar to one of the previous verbs we did. Which one was it? That ah, doesn't matter. Um, general meaning. So five examples. One, the rich are growing richer and the poor are growing poorer. Two. It grew so hot outside that soon the streets were completely empty. 3. She grew more and more confident in her own abilities. 4. The workers in our factory have grown more efficient since we introduced our new work routine. 5th and last. It has grown quite expensive living here. Ordinary people are unable even to rent homes. Second category. Oh, actually, remember, this is like get. Basically, get, you can collocate it with almost any adjective. And the only time that it's limited in what you can collocate it with, um, for the most part, 
probably a handful of exceptions, um, is when you're talking about emotions with both get and with grow. Um, if you use them with um, emotions, well, you can only talk about negative emotions. You can grow angry, grow sad, grow confused, grow tired, grow unhappy, grow impatient. Three examples. And remember that the final result of this, this process of change um, is you know, pretty serious. One, I grew impatient as I watched the other people in the restaurant receive attention while none of the waiters talked to me. Two, we all grew depressed as we read day after day of terrible news. Third and last, the mountain climbers were out of food and nearly out of water, and they soon grew very tired and confused. Let's talk about our sixth verb, wax. No, not wax like the soft material that bees make and that we make candles from. This wax has the same spelling and the same pronunciation, but it is um, has a different origin. It comes from the German verb wachsen, or it has a common origin with the German verb wachsen, and wachsen means to grow. So, Wax is, in this meaning of become, is literary or even poetic in its register, and it collocates with only a handful of adjectives. Poetic, eloquent, and lyrical. So, wax, with the meaning of become, refers to a process of change, one that increases in energy and intensity as time continues, giving itself energy, becoming ever stronger. Let's move on to the examples, three of them. One, James waxed poetic as he described to us his love for his new girlfriend. So, he waxed poetic, the change in his speech became faster and faster, and there's an accelerating quality to this change in the speed of his speech. Two, I waxed lyrical, talking about the beauty of the short but brilliant Alaskan summer. Third and last, salespeople wax eloquent when they're trying to sell you something, but if you try to return a product, they suddenly have less to say. So, by the way, a person who is eloquent expresses their thoughts in a beautiful and impressive way. So I'm going to reread that again. Sales Salespeople wax eloquent when they're trying to sell you something, but if you try to return a product, they suddenly have less to say. Last one. Fall. Let's talk about this final one. The meaning of become for fall, for this common verb, is perhaps an extension of phrasal verbs like uh, with fall, for example, fall apart or fall down. So a change in position is pretty similar to a change in condition. So fall with the meaning become collocates with just three words. It talks about a process, not just an instant moment of change. It's not super common, but if you read the newspaper enough, you will probably encounter it. So three examples. First, fall victim. Many government, sorry, many government-funded science programs fall victim to budget cuts when the economy gets weaker. Next, fall ill. The senator fell ill with tuberculosis and had to leave office. So again, not fall sick, just fall ill. Fall sick is not a normal collocation. Fall ill is definitely one. False, the last one, fall silent. Everyone fell silent when they heard the news. And now, my dear listeners, I will fall silent myself. I will see you next Monday and hopefully hear something from you in the comments. Thanks for listening.